they definitely jump in my ears and be like, heads up, don't say anything stupid. Joke's on you. I can't help it. Season finale of Euphoria style. Welcome to Last Believer, a podcast about good riddance. My name is Josh Lindley. I go by he, him. I am joined by my friend Dan Forcier, also he, him. Each week, we talk about three songs by Santa Cruz, hardcore punk band, Good Riddance. This week, we're talking about the songs Union Town and Bobby Bond and Start at Zero. I feel like we're going to talk about more than just those three songs. Dan, if anyone wants to reach out and suggest things for us to talk about in these last, you know, five, six episodes, how do they reach out to us? It's, it's, it's really hard to wrap my head around that it's like the tail end, but um, yeah, please reach out. We always love it when you reach out, um, follow us on Instagram at last believer pod slide into those DMS or um, send us an email um, at last believer pod at gmail.com. That's pretty much it. <laughs> There's also, if you're playing around online by now, the playlist has got to be like, I don't know, 20 hours long or something that Dan has been building throughout the course of this entire project. Just look up last believer podcast playlist on Spotify or Apple music. You will find it there. Dan, usually I ask you what you want to talk about, but I know what I want to talk about. And it's the good riddance is playing a bunch of East coast shows. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, that's actually pretty sick. There's going to be shows. The funny thing is the podcast will be over before they make it to this side of the country. So, or will it? Well, I don't know, man. How many, unless like a new EP drops right before they do that tour, whatever. Or maybe we, uh, nothing. Never mind. I'm not going to say it on on like, you know, um, yeah, it's, but it'll be, you know what? Worst case scenario, we, we should throw a little, uh, uh, show report up and back in the feed. Even yeah. if it is well, done. Yeah, like we, we, we should do something. I think it would be fun. Because I was excited when I saw they were playing Pootsa Fest. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to go to Pootsa Fest. And I'm like, oh, no, I don't even have to go to Montreal. They're going to be down the street for me. Yeah. Literally down the street. But I probably will go to Montreal so I can see them again and propaganda. Yeah. And yeah. the bats, even though some of the bats live down the street from me. <laughs> but yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, shall we get into these songs? Oh, yes. But just before we do that, one thing that yeah. I, uh, I noticed today, because I was just uh, in, in a rough mood, you know, just feeling headachy and working in the dark all day. But mm-hmm. uh, when this episode is released, you know, assuming I don't relapse, actually, you know what, I don't want to use the term relapse. It's kind of a strong word. Assuming I don't start drinking again from now until then, the day after mm-hmm. this episode drops, 69 days without booze. Nice. Yeah, see, see, it's funny and fun because I don't want to grow up and I'll never grow up. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> okay, on that, should we get into these songs? Uh, is there anything else? Yeah, no, that's fine. <laughs> All right. The first song this week is Uniontown. It's the third song in or the last song on the A side of Phenomenon of Craving. This is Ron Rankin, Platt, and Pabich. Uh, how do you feel about it, Dan? It really, to again, threw me for a loop when you said Ron Rankin. And I was like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Russ's brother, right? Or something. Anyways, but you meant Dave Ron and Ron. Anyways, um, 28 hours and 10 minutes is currently what the playlist is at. That's the thing I was trying to look up before we started the song, but it just came up now. 
So yeah, it's a while. Uh, Uniontown, that sinister baseline intro is really tight. I can totally picture it being used as the intro to this episode when you're editing it. You probably were even already thinking of that. And like, it even sounds like it even quiets down a tad before it kicks in for a moment. It's almost like they wrote it for us to use as an intro for this episode. You can cut that out if you want, or you you can leave it in. Yeah, yeah. Just in case. But after listening to the song, my impression of Phenomenon with the two songs that we've had heard so far um, is that this record or this EP, sorry, in this split with uh, uh, Kill Your Idols are are there fuck you were our core band releases was is that fair to say like the 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 more kind of like hard releases yeah yeah maybe i don't know well that's that was yeah. my vibe hearing those two songs but um yeah anyway i, I really like the dark vibe that like this is this delivers sonically oh sorry that uh grocery store and beer really <clears throat> got me in the diaphragm yeah, and I did uh, pronounce, mispronounce that on purpose. Okay, so Uniontown, like the, the term, mm. I'm not sure if it's a play on words for this song. I knew it was an actual place in Pennsylvania. Um, and when I gave it just a quick goog, there, there has or have been 14 cities, or I guess towns <laughs> would be more accurate, uh, including the aforementioned one in Pennsylvania, in the United States that have had or had the name Uniontown at least at one point. Yeah. So, okay. So reading the lyrics though, it was, it definitely seemed like it was being written from like a historical standpoint. Um, I was thinking maybe we had another case along the lines of like uh, Strickland versus Washington, where it was kind of based on uh, a real event or something that happened in Uniontown, in a Uniontown, um, not a town of unions, but you know, it's, um, <laughs> I was, I, but I wasn't able to clearly find something. So maybe you can shed light if there's something historical about it or not, but I'm sure if there is, you're going to, dive into it but if not the next thing i was thinking was that maybe they were using it as a blanket name right because it's in so many different states much like a springfield where you don't really know which union town it is or somewhat similar how every town has an elm street shout out tie in cheek um because that song is sick but i digress of course as i usually do simply put when i'm reading this it's it's really it comes from the, the feeling like the, the people that are in charge are abusing their power, like a municipal government in the union town is abusing their power. The police force flexing on citizens in like a pseudo police state, just baiting the public, just abusing the power. And that feeling that's, that's what I got when I, when I read it um, and not to jump around too, too much or confuse our lovely listeners more than I've already confused myself really. But I did read that there were some speakeasies and stuff that were broken up in the PA union town in the late nineties. Uh, but nothing that I could concretely tie back to this jam. And so, yeah, is, you know, what does this banger do for you? My friend? <laughs> that's pretty much what I, uh, where I'm at with that. Well, this is kind of fun. You know, I feel like, uh, as a podcast winding down, we've thought a lot about how <clears throat> sometimes in the tens and twenties of this podcast, there was times where we would have three songs that sounded a little samey and then other weeks we'd have three songs that sounded wildly different. And here we are episode 60 with union town, a song that sounds nothing like any other good written song. Mm -hmm. The intro. Yeah. Like the intro sounds like it could like that baseline is menacing, but it sounds like, uh, like an extremely two thousands 
alt-rock song like it could go that direction i'm thinking a band that would have been into punk and hardcore but never actually been a punk or hardcore band you know like a uh, feel like this is like if anyone's made it 60 episodes in and they haven't quit yet this might be it but i feel like the guys in papa roach could have written the intro to this song okay you know what i mean like they're, yeah. they're clearly down regardless of what you think of the band the guys in that band seem to you know get it um but then you know we have that you know that string bend and the song turns a corner into something that's a little more familiar and good riddancy the mid-tempo downstrokes you know sounds more like di than like papa roach and uh mm-hmm. there's that ominous that yeah that ominous feeling to union town as well this ep in general is pretty darkly tinged like after talking about cages last week and like there's there's some darkness in this ep uh throughout the verse the way that the guitar is played kind of leaves you hanging, waiting for even just a half second at a time. And this chorus pulls everything together. And this is something, I mean, sort of ridiculous to say, but Uniontown might be the good written song where Russ truly sounds like post my war or early Rollins band, Henry Rollins in the way that he Ooh. vacillates, the way that he vacillates from like, a low, almost spoken delivery all the way to a straight up, like roaring, screaming attack. Uh, the reason that I say it's ridiculous to say is because all the best front people sound a little bit like Henry Rollins anyway. Yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm I fully agree with your like, I am very on board. You're hitting the nail on the head here. Yeah, I, like I saw the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs a few years ago. And even though they had, you know, a light show and projections and all that stuff, Karen O was almost as convincing as Henry Rollins as a front person. And I feel like both Henry Rollins and Karen O would take that as a compliment. I would hope so. Anyway, uh, Russ uses <laughs> his Rollins-esque delivery to go, like, he goes wide with these lyrics, you know, describing the way that America and capitalism works as a negative effect on individuals and communities. If an entire town relies on one specific industry and some lawmaker that isn't even familiar with that way of life or that town, you know, goes on and creates opportunities for that industry to move elsewhere, you know, that town fucked. And then, you know, poverty proliferates crime follows and then who gets blamed is the people that got fucked you know the people that did exactly what they were supposed to do in mm-hmm. Union town i'm taking it as the blanket term that you said you know they, i assume yeah they grew up and they got a job and whatever that job might happen to be in that town where they were relying all on one thing here's the thing though so many times on this show we talk about how russ's lyrics are still so relevant you know, like it, it can apply 25, 30 years later, whatever. The thing with Uniontown is that that's not the case because even by the year 2000s, when this EP came out, these towns had already gone tits up. Like the term mm. Rust Belt was already definitely a thing in the year 2000. Right. Um, so it's like, yeah, it's not applicable anymore, but only because of extinction of Union Towns which is maybe even more of a bummer than when it is totally relevant. <laughs> yeah. And it's, <clears throat> I mean, it, there definitely are still um, f- factories that run economies in small towns, but definitely not to the same extent that there used to be. That's for sure. No, no, not at all. Anyway, this song Uniontown, it rules. And I love how, I love how much it rocks and how it stands out in the Goodwin's discography, even though, it doesn't really sound like anything they had done before or really since. I feel like we've 
collectively said that a couple times in the last few weeks. Yeah. Too. yeah. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just, <laughs> you know, it's a. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. Interesting. But even sure. all those songs that don't sound like anything else don't sound like each other, right? It's not like you can make also an album true. out of. It's not like you can make an album out of songs that don't sound like the rest of Good Riddance and still have it sound like one thing, you know? You are absolutely right. My God, are we going to be like our parents? Not me. It's unavoidable. It just happens. What happens? When you grow up, your heart dies. Song two is Bobby Bond. It is the last song on Bound by Ties of Blood and Affection. This is Wagon Shoots, Rankin, Platt, and Pabish. Dan, how did you feel about Bobby Bond? So, with the song being named after a hockey player, I was not expecting such a dark soundbite from The Breakfast Club to open it up. Yeah. Still a great quote, but it really, like, left field. I was like, okay. I was expecting kind of something poppier <laughs> as a whole. But, yeah. Uh, not the case. Uh, somewhat of a side note, there, there's a band called Gunship that has a song called When You Grow Up, Your Heart Dies. Uh, and it came out like in the last five years, I want to think. But it's like wild hmm. 80s synth pop, like something you'd hear in like Stranger on, Things or something. Like on the soundtrack to The Breakfast Club? Kind of, but like a little bit darker. Okay. Like a lot a bit darker. But yeah, sure. But yes, it's not not unlike where it's being referenced from, for sure. Um, in any events, back on track ish. I looked up the uh, the titular reference character for this jam. Mm-hmm. So it looks like he played for the Leafs. Mm-hmm. He retired in seventy three. Mm-hmm. Uh, looks like he was on their Stanley Cup winning team in sixty seven. Also Several known as Stanley Cup winning teams. Yes, but the 67 one is important because it's the last it's year the that last the Leafs one. won the cup. Hold for applause. And in the 80s, uh, he in um, an alumni association of players um, for the NHL began like an investigation into the NHL's pl- NHL players pension plan, um, which at one point was like being sold to them as like the best in sports. But when they actually retired, they weren't paid for shit. Yep. So I'm clearly not mentioning all of his great career highlights. As you mentioned, he's many Stanley Cups before that one. And the reason why I'm not going into that is because I fucking hate the Toronto Maple Leafs. Go Sens go. But I digress. What is what does Bobby have to do with this song? He, he or his legacy have to do with this song. I might be grasping at straws with my, little, with my theory here. So, but the lyrics come off as, as feelings from like an exasperated person who has given their all to follow their dreams with little or diminishing returns. Like I equate, equate it to like busting your ass to make it to make it to the pros in hockey and literally put your body on the line only to be turned into a, a grizzled veteran who could use that pension, right? Cause your body's beat to shit. So it's not like you can do manual labor. You probably didn't go to school because you were doing the pros and you're essentially disregarded um, as they, they being like the business side of things no longer have use for you because you're not making the money 
And so, okay, sorry, bye. Like, bare minimum is what you get. Not unlike military veterans, but um, maybe maybe we don't unpack that too, though. I think we've definitely talked about how shitty veterans are treated in the past. Yeah. All that being said, Russ's lyrics in this one are beautifully poetic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I recommend, no, not even recommend, I urge our lovely listeners to uh, give them a read. Even if you're familiar with the song, go back and like give them a read, even with this, like without the music. And then shoot me a message. Tell me why you think I'm wrong with my assessment or tell me why you think I'm right. But uh, just because it's so beautifully written, I, I think it definitely deserves second, third, first look from, from anyone who's, who's listening. And I haven't even talked about the music yet. So I got so wrapped up in this little breakfast club and synth pop and hockey thing that I didn't even talk about the music. So another one, we got like a little sinister baseline at the beginning, you know? And then that, like after that soundbite, now we have 40 seconds until the song really kicks in. And then I look at my phone because I'm using a streaming service, to listen to it. And I'm like a runtime of over five minutes. <sighs> but I'm already elated that this is not a demo track. It sounds a lot better. I'm already on board. So we're like, okay, cool. We don't have like a fucking stairway version song here. But uh, but then the song ends at like 325-ish and there's some dead air. And then for the last like, minute and 40 there's like this weird pseudo psa that i absolutely love maybe we can plug it in at the end of the episode congratulations you have been selected to receive this exciting and empowering message from your government forget all you're hearing with regards to this supposed economic slowdown Those of you who are already fat with wealth will continue to profit at public expense. I mean, really. If it isn't broken, why fix it, right? And don't worry yourselves about these nasty terrorists either. After all, we trained them, so we know how to beat them. Plus, we've got more weapons of mass destruction than any other country in the world. Regrettably, millions will die as before. But look at the bright side. The longer these wars last, the more money will be generated by the military-industrial complex. Always remember, citizens, that peace is bad for business. And lastly, pay no attention to the liberal hysteria surrounding the pending legislation on Homeland Security. Sure, your privacy will be invaded and your freedom subjugated, but trust us, it's for your own protection. Just don't ask questions. Stay in your homes, relax, watch your televisions, and we'll take care of you like we always have. Our systems of control are so entertaining, you won't even know you're being indoctrinated. Remember, passivity is comfortable, and nobody likes a squeaky wheel. Thank you for your time, and God bless America. I don't know. I'd rather I'd rather that than actually talk about it. I just really love listening to it. I like I rewound it a couple of times being like, whoa, this is wild. And then clearly I assumed it was the last song on the record. You already mentioned it is the last song on the record. That's a cool way. You, like before, you know, there would always be like the cover song at the end, but no cover song. Now we have the uh, <sighs> recruitment. Anyways, we'll, we'll get into that after uh, overall. Great song. Very 90s hardcore feel yet modern kind of like an as friends rust 
and um i feel like this song maybe even could have been on ballads because like the cadence that the russ has also like it's it's very similar to waste but like cleaner mm-hmm. uh in production wise anyways this is a freaking jam this is a really good jam i had a lot of fun with this one uh last week i was struggling to find stuff to talk about and this one i was like ooh wormhole rabbit hole whatever <laughs> different paths i could take and make no sense let's go i feel like you hit on something there because honestly i you know for 19 years have been like uh i know russ is into hockey but i have no idea why this song musically or lyrically would have been named after bobby bond of all guys bobby bond like that's the one mm-hmm. thing with bobby bond is like he wasn't a superstar scorer or even like a, a crazy defenseman or he like he wasn't i mean obviously kyle lowry elevated himself as a raptor but like i'm thinking like year three with the raptors kyle lowry where it's like no he's everyone's dad he's like the guiding force of the team but mm. when he's on the ice it's not like he's the guy like he's making the difference but he's not the one that everyone's watching you know I know, and to kind of like double down on that, um, when there was an expansion draft after that 67 year, he was left unprotected and went to another team and then came back to the Leafs to finish off his career for like three or four years or something. So, yeah. Yeah. So it shows the importance of, you know, the same way that I assume Kyle Lowry will come back for a final season or at least uh, something with Toronto. The 10-day te- the contract. But we digress. But like, <laughs> but like you were saying, so it's named after Bobby Bond, like much beloved NHL or Leafs player looked out for his fellow players by getting them a decent pension and like working with players unions and players affiliations, whatever, to make sure people were like out for. And then it's like, okay, so is he like the political hockey player? And is that what Russ is going for? And then you read the lyrics to the song and it's not that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so like between uh, Bobby Bond as a title and the breakfast club clip, which I'm going to talk about the breakfast club in a minute, but do you feel like maybe it was a misdirection on purpose because this song is so personal? So I'm not a hundred. Hmm. Maybe, but why Bobby Bond? Yeah. I don't you know. know why Bobby like Bond. that's, it's such, it's such like a, it, like a, a random name even if, for hockey fans. Yeah. Like I, I was not familiar until I started researching it. Like it's uh but I mean, there's there's lines in the song, you know, like I'm um, still caught up in what I wouldn't give so stubborn and withdrawn and just like, ex- you know, exposed as though I never had a choice. He was exposed in the <laughs> in the expansion draft, you know, it is. Yeah, it's a very personal, like distraught song, but I feel like there's certain things, you know, like why am I keeping score when I've already lost? Because at one point he does he does get frustrated with his fight against the pensions and someone else picks picks up the where he left off. But uh, I don't know. I f- maybe maybe there's like a an enough of a similarity that he's kind of you know juxtaposing himself with. But yeah, at the end of the day, maybe you're right. Maybe it is kind of a red herring more than anything. And maybe I am just reaching straws. No, man. I, like that's why we have this podcast is grasp away. Okay. But before, okay. Before I get too into this, before I get into the breakfast club, I would like to say, because I know that it's been a minute since we got here, but fuck this song. Uh, oh, true. <laughs> uh, look on the show. We've talked about a lot of TV shows and movies, Nick Cage movies, Kingpin, <laughs> Slapshot, Dirty Harry movies. Uh, that what was the the one? Uh, Escape oh, from New live. York. We've talked about watched, they live once or twice. Week. Yes, we yeah. yeah yeah once once or twice. But none of them come close to the cultural ubiquity and importance of John Hughes's classic The Breakfast Club. If someone is listening to this podcast 
And like, if you're the age that we assume our listeners are listening to this podcast about good riddance and somehow you haven't seen breakfast club, just stop, like fully stop this episode. I don't know if you're in your car. I don't know if you're on your way to work or whatever. Stop listening to the episode. The only thing you should be focused on until you've done it is watching the breakfast club. It's bonkers to me that there are people that exist specifically in North America that don't know what the breakfast club is. They have to exist. I've never met one of them. Mm, you're Putting assuming I've watched it and I didn't just Google uh, you, where the sound you clip You definitely from. have watched the breakfast club. Dan. <laughs> I have only seen it once and it was yeah, relatively but you've recent, seen it, but, but I've but seen, you've it, seen yes. it. Whatever. So go watch the breakfast club, hit pause, stop the episode, whatever. Now that you're back, we can talk about. <laughs> and we're back. Le- yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How in less than two hours, John Hughes gets a star-studded cast to convincingly portray the entire high school experience almost entirely from the library of a high school. Uh, I'm sure that there is some language that wouldn't make the cut today, and the movie is extremely white. But assembling (laughs) a group of high school students from a handful of social groups leads to some revelations and some drama, and everyone learns to be better, more accepting person at the end. But in one of the most dramatic scenes, Ali Sheedy, who is like, I don't know, three quarters of the way to being goth says, when you grow up, your heart dies. And honestly, like as I've aged, I sort of wish that I cared less. Like I'm still waiting for my heart to die. Imagine being emotionless and like a shell of a human. It'd be so sick. You could just coast through life and not have to worry about anything. Unlike Bobby Bond who spent most of his career as a Maple Leaf and won like six Stanley Cups. And he was more of like emotional leader and obviously cared so much, even when he retired and realized the pension was bullshit. He started working more on that. That guy had a huge heart. That guy cared a lot. Again, I'm not sure about, I'm not like all of these things. I hadn't really thought about why it was called Bobby. No, there's like, if if anyone does want to read up, there are times when he, the, the the typical not the typical but the stereotypical if we will uh hockey player thing like fight through an injury and score the overtime winner to win the cut like he yeah yeah that's and maybe yeah. that's maybe that i don't know maybe that's the angle anyway on an album with a lot of songs this song bobby bond let's talk about the song bobby bond for sure 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 uh maybe you know ostensibly what the podcast is about uh, on an album with a lot of songs that expand what we know Good Riddance to sound like, we have a way more familiar, you were saying it sounds like it could almost fit on ballads, you know, it's like a hooky, hardcore song. And this song is definitely at least, you know, I've spent 19 years assuming it was about a breakup. And wow, is it crushing. Like it's so fast and the stops and starts totally make you feel more than Uniontown even make you feel like you're hanging on the edge of a cliff so that when it lets go and it goes in so fast, you're like trapped in it. It's like you're, you know, you just fell through the ice in a moving river. It's you're just yanked in. Russ's vocals sound like he's about to fall apart any second. And that mania is maintained throughout the entire song too. Like at no point does it quite go all the way, but like you get the impression that like it's his performance here is just bonkers. Meanwhile, the rest of the band is playing so tight and so together that having that like borderline falling apart vocal over top of something that otherwise is so tight and so fast, like the tension in the song is insane. The bridge sounds like at the start of the bridge, it sounds like it might slow down, but instead it just keeps ripping along. There's a guitar lead and then they save the breakdown for the end. 
And, you know, it's just a baseline and feedback and drums as Russ screams when I've lost. Like this one still annihilates me every time, musically and lyrically. You know, that feeling of having lost, of having and being lost when a relationship ends is so relatable. Sometimes I have that high fidelity question where I'm like, am I sad because of pop music or do I love pop music because it makes me sad? Um, I think about that almost daily. Yeah. Bobby Bond does nothing to help me figure out the answer <laughs> to that question. It's funny. Like it is reading this and, you know, even in the year 2000, being a nerd about the band and having met people in the band, interviewed them at that point and like knowing people in their circle or whatever, like I am aware that it is definitely about a relationship, but the more you've talked about it, uh, the continuing on and continuing to fight and playing through injuries and why should I bother? Uh, it really, this song's a lot bigger than I even thought it was. And I already started off by saying, fuck this song. There's a lot to unpack there, or there can be a lot to unpack. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. We, I might be overthinking it wholeheartedly. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if you are. I there's enough like little parallels that you I could make like a weird like fan theory, but I don't know. I mean, we have enough Russ, fan theories. Russ, come on. <laughs> we have enough. We have enough fan theories. Also, I think yeah. when we talked to him, he's he was pretty specific about not wanting to talk about Bye Bye Ties and Black Affection. So that's not. Oh, that's true. Not that's very. Mm, well, <laughs> that's, yeah, it was it was a bad time. It was a bad time. Let's not bother him with this one. No, you're right. Thank you for reminding me that you did not enjoy making this record. zero ironically in episode 60 you know if we planned out this podcast at all we would have started at zero anyway started zero, is the, started zero is the fifth song in on phenomenon of craving which means we only have one song left on this ep to go through uh this again ron rankin Pavich, and platt dan how do we feel about started zero Ooh, triple threat of songs with ominous bass lines eh at the beginning yeah. the intros yeah I, you can't, you can't make this up. <laughs> remember, was, remember a few, remember a few weeks ago when I was like, it's nothing but bangers from here on out. Yeah. Well, hey, listen, this is no exception. These three songs are great songs. Spoiler alert. You know, I haven't gotten into this one, but this is, this is a good song. I really enjoyed it. Um, so that all that being said, I do want to half walk back my previous comment about Phenomenon that I wrote the notes to being like, this is a fuck you. We're a hardcore record or we're a hardcore band for this record. Uh, While it is quite good, this is more of a mid tempo, sad boy nonsense that I fucking live for (laughs) versus a, like a straightforward hardcore record. And uh, it's, there's some real uh, org core or fest band type of uh, stuff going on here. And I am here for it. This is, this is pretty solid. Um, Reading this, lyrically i read it as a breakup song i think uh-huh. it's pretty straightforward that it would be something uh 
the end of a relationship, whether it be whether it be breaking up with a, a friend or a partner or you know even hmm, even there's even like a, maybe a a business side you can look at it too you know like broken promises and then being on the on the defensive and it just uh, you know lamenting something that's done memories fade move on to be perfectly blunt there's not a lot for me to draw from this like the other two uh, about this song unless I go deep into my broken heart archives and I really don't want to uh, do that on the pod um so yeah it's uh it's just a very straightforward mid-tempo song and I, I really like it a lot like it's like it a lot and uh yeah, the song is solid. I'm gonna put it. I'm gonna start a playlist specifically with this song on it for walking around. You said you had a walking around playlist last week, and uh, yeah. I think I'm gonna do a little, <laughs> a little hour long walking around playlist. To force me to get moving. <laughs> that was short, first right? Of, <laughs> that was real quick. Like, yeah. No, no, it's good. It's good. Uh, first of all, uh, I, I, you know, when we talk about how these songs make us feel or what we draw from the lyrics or whatever, I purposely for 60 episodes avoided. Um, trying to project too much of what um, Russ's interpersonal relationship with these lyrics might be, unless it's something that I know to be concrete. This song though, and because you mentioned the lyrics and how it's like, you know, obviously a relationship song, and this one dawned on me literally 10 minutes before we started recording. Is this song maybe about Sean leaving the band? See, I kind of, was saying along the lines of it's not like necessarily a partner. I was like friendship or business. I didn't specifically Mm -hmm. go there. It does make sense. Starting at zero, you're starting with a new percussionist. You're starting, you know, like, again, don't want to, like you said, don't want to project, but I think that's a possibility for sure. Also, how does Dave Ron feel playing on this song about the drummer that has recently, you know, taken a leave of the band allegedly that's some awkward that's that's a lot of awkwardness for someone to put someone through i don't like sure, but that's you know that, that that would be that would be my reasoning behind saying that is not what the song is about but but to be fair this was kind of like a stuff like he was a hired gun for this record before wagon shoots could join so maybe he thought nothing of it yeah maybe again he was just happy projecting to play. allegedly yeah. <laughs> yeah. this is there's a lot of a lot of theories on this one but Mostly I want to say, and and like you touched on it, but I'm going to put a name to it. This is maybe the most jawbreaker ass song I've ever heard that isn't by jawbreaker. Sure, 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 sure. I feel like there are, like you were saying, dozens and dozens of bands, whether you call it org core or like post emo or whatever the fuck you want to call it. I feel like this sounds, that intro baseline specifically sounds like Bivouac by jawbreaker. And I love it. Like, yeah, like even, you know, the vocal delivery in the mix, it feels like the vocals are pulled back a little bit. And we just heard a song, another song from this album where the vocals are up front. And Mm -hmm. I was saying Rollins ask, and I'm not going to say that Russ's delivery on this one sounds like Blake Schwarzenbach, but I feel like it's mixed in such a way where it does sort of sound Schwarzenbachian. (laughs) Not many people do sound like Blake, though. I don't think anybody could say Schwartz and Backian as well as I did on my first try. This is why I just said Blake. <laughs> yeah, fair. Um, yeah. Uh, and and yeah, lyrically, this one from the start, and this is a thing, I hadn't, I didn't go to San Francisco or the Bay Area until, I don't know, three or four years after this 
EP had come out and I was always so weirded out by the idea that Russ would be waiting in the freezing rain for a, for the last train. There's no like freezing rain barely even exists in Vancouver. I can't imagine it would be a thing in Santa Cruz or San Francisco. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it always stuck with me because like freezing rain, does he mean freezing rain the way that we mean freezing rain when the news report says freezing rain or does he just mean it's fucking cold? Oh, like it's freezing and it's rain. It's not like sleet, like ice, ice rain. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, going through it, this is all the stuff that makes me think that it's not just uh, like a romantic relationship that he's talking about is like, you know, memories lose their meaning when you've got other work to do and you're still recording with a band or whatever. Uh, You know, you cling to possessions for another year, which is like once you've lost everything that you actually believe in, if it is a band and you've been building this thing forever, the only thing you have is the things that you physically possess. There's a lot in this song that like, it's hard to figure out exactly what he's driving at, which very jawbreakery sentiments where a lot of jawbreaker songs, you think, you know what they're about. And then the deeper you get into it, you're like, I don't know what this guy's talking about. Basically. I feel like maybe in the year 2000, Russ finally decided to like, say like, you know what? Jawbreaker has been an influence on me and this band. Let's roll mm-hmm. with it. And I feel like started zero again. is like, and that's the thing. This EP is very odd in, you know, the, the, the line of releases that Good Riddance has ever put out. Uh, not just because it's a different drummer, but like you were saying, it's like, yeah, there are three to four of the six songs on here are desperate sounding, obvious hardcore songs. One of them is one of their biggest hits and they play it all the time and there's a video for it. And the other one is Start at Zero. That to me sounds like Jawbreaker. But also, you know, how much railing against, you know, late 90s, mid 90s, even Bay Area stuff could Good Riddance do? Because honestly, they don't sound a whole lot like a lot of Bay Area bands. Whereas a lot lot of that, a lot of that sort of... uh, and it, which is also a weird thing to say, because the Bay Area, more than any other punk scene I could think of in the 80s and early 90s, didn't have one particular sound, you know, like Lookout Records sounded like a thing. I was, I was, I was, was going to bring that going up. On. There, there like definitely Neurosis is a, and, yeah. you know, like Neurosis and uh, Econochrist and Op Ivy don't really sound the same. 15, Jawbreaker, Rancid. <laughs> you know all these bay area yeah. bands that are huge like no no green day yeah you know that, none of them really that, huh are those the guys from the oh pin, sorry pin, pinhead gunpowder pinhead uh. gunpowder right <laughs> yeah but yeah i think it's funny that it's started zero and maybe it is just a song about reassessing relationships and how it ends and how you can face it and also i feel like started zero even sounds like the title of a jawbreaker song anyway this is a this is welcome to last oh, Believer, yeah. a podcast about jawbreaker oh it's don't 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 fucking tease me. <laughs> uh, I couldn't oh. do it, man. <laughs> All right, Dan, uh, you were very excited. We got a really uh, thought-provoking slash actually entirely relevant question this week from a listener. Yeah, the, the fact that it was so relevant and thought-provoking, for sure. We all know that there's a lot of bullshit going on in the world right now. This, um, <laughs> this invasion in Ukraine is stupid. And everyone should stand with Ukraine in this one. But considering there's a war going on right side. Oh, shit. Now I want to listen to Mob Deep. Okay, sorry. Considering there's a war going on outside. We got a question from, from our pal Ryan here. Just asking what, uh, what, what we thought the three or five 
biggest anti-war songs by good riddance were <laughs> that did not word that properly no, what are the th- but... three <laughs> what are the three or three three to five uh biggest good riddance anti-war songs there we go uh, and me being eager as I was, uh, rather than waiting and answering it on the podcast, I texted him back. Here's the five that came off the top of my head. All Fall Down, Article 4, Mother Superior, Year of the Rat, and Fertile Fields, I guess. And these are all songs that we have talked about on the podcast already, except mm-hmm. for Article 4, which I was I'm sure say, that yeah. now because you said it, we're going to pick it from the hot pickety bag any minute now. But those are the ones that I picked. I feel like uh, that also spans a a way of writing about it where it goes from giant uber like big picture political countries fighting countries thing all the way down to uh, article four which is written from the perspective of a soldier and then mother superior which is written from like almost like giving a lecture to a soldier and i think that's all cool stuff that uh, rusk manages to do while writing songs that are pretty um anti-war yeah that's no, for I sure. For sure. And that's the top of your head that I didn't mm, already mention. No, those I think you those crush it, except for Article Four, which I have not heard yet. Um, really more than anything, why I wanted to bring it up on the pod was I didn't think Ryan deserved to get all that information to himself. And considering how relevant it was, I wanted to uh, share it with our lovely listeners. Yeah, it seems real dumb to make playlists when there's literally an invasion happening. But sometimes that's your best way to sort of relate and keep yourself feeling a thing. Mm-hmm. And I know I've done that forever. That's why I have a walking around playlist. Uh, that's why we have the Last Believer podcast playlist is because sometimes you want to feel a thing and the way that you relate to it is through other people's art and music. And so while it seems like a um, trivial thing to bring up in relation to an invasion in Ukraine, you know, sometimes you got to feel things in different ways. And sometimes you need to use it as a visceral escape from reality or a visceral connection with what's going on to maybe understand better. Exactly. Should we pick next week's songs? And are we going to pick Article 4? (laughs) I mean, we could. No, I'm just kidding. We're not going to. No, just we'll we'll see what happens. Article 4. No, I'm just. (laughs) Oh, I was actually totally hoping it was going to be the first one. Oh, no, we're going back to the demo. What's the answer? What's the answer? I'm pretty sure that is the last of the demos, Dan. So you can chill. Ooh, I actually meant to bring this one up earlier um, because we were talking about how there's only one song left on Phenomenon. And um, yeah, one for the Braves, which is which was the single. Was that? No, there was a video, right? There is a video for it. It's really cute. Floyd, who anyone, any long time uh, attention payer to Fat Records knows who Floyd is. He's like, you know, the, the mascot for a few years there. And I feel like mostly he was merch guy and tour manager for, you know, good riddance and face to face and a bunch mm-hmm. of, well, maybe not, maybe not either of those bands, to be honest with you, but I feel like Floyd was like a part of fat records in a very serious way for a while. But I feel like one of their samplers was and out comes the Floyd. I think that he was almost a, like a mascot of sorts for yeah, the label, but, but also definitely actually worked for the label. Oh no, absolutely. Yes. Yes. But yeah. he was a, uh, um, a recognized figure. Uh, the third song is um, from F- Operation Phoenix. Uh, Yesterday died. Tomorrow won't be born. Hell yeah! All bangers, man. You're speaking pretty quickly about bangers on the demos, but yeah. Dan, how do people reach out to us? 
reaching out to us is super easy. Um, be, be like Ryan, follow us on Instagram and uh, shoot us a DM at last believer pod, or you can be like Bob, the mailman, our, our homie who likes to send us cool shit via email, uh, email us at uh, lastbelieverpod at gmail.com. And that Patreon is still up. I am updating it once a month with the songs that we have left. So there aren't a whole lot of those updates left to go. Also, uh, as things are easing up around here, I know I said we only have like five episodes left to go or whatever it is, but there might be some bonus stuff. I don't know if it's going on Patreon. We'll probably just end up putting it on the main feed. But uh, Dan and I have a video that we've planned to watch together. There's this friggin' game show thing that we've been talking about for seven months. But No, I need to get out, back in touch with Adam. <laughs> hanging out in someone's apartment right now is still kind of sketch yeah and uh you know we'll get there anyway thank you so much for listening again episode 60 we've done 60 episodes of this thing that's 180 good written songs for anyone that uh can't do quick math 180 good written songs uh so wait does this count the two did this count the two interview episodes in that 160 oh, oh no i guess not so 180 Whoa. so so i guess yeah okay so my quick math is bad uh whatever fine 174 anyway uh thank you for listening to 174 good written songs dan thanks for taking time to hang out always and listen to me talk about how uh uh, russ rankin is a secret job ranker fan although probably not secretive at all and uh thanks to good riddance and thanks to fat records for letting us keep doing this we'll be back next week We'll talk about what's the answer. We'll talk about one for the Braves and we'll talk about yesterday died, tomorrow won't be born. Yup. Yep.